0: You're listening to the essential WFDU-FM HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's premier public music station at 89.1 megahertz and worldwide at WFDU.FM. 89.1!
1: From the album "The New Cool," Bob James and Nathan East, right here in the studio with me too, and I'm very happy about this. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Bob. Hey Nathan. Nathan. <laughs> How are you? Hey Nathan. All right. Very good. Very good. Nice recording.
2: Thank you very much. How did this all? Great to be here. Yes, sir.
1: You got a, you got a good radio voice, sir. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> How did this all come about?
3: We have played together for 25 years, mostly in context with the group foreplay. Sure. That's when I met Nathan. As a matter of fact, uh, I was looking for a bass player, uh, not normally recording in Los Angeles. And I was planning to work with Harvey Mason and Lee Rittenauer. And I asked both of them separately, who should I use on bass? And independently, they came up with the same name. Oh, wow. So I thought, well, gee, i got to try the guy out. And uh, uh, they were right. So, so we 25
1: have, years would prove that to be pretty right. Yes. Absolutely.
3: So we've become both personal and musical, very close friends.
1: That's great. That is yeah, really it's, great. it's been
3: great. And that's primarily, I think, what this record is all about, our friendship.
1: About your friendship. Very good, very good. Yeah, it's, I, I guess, um, a little different than foreplay, that's for sure.
3: We wanted it to be. And uh, we live in this era where I think both of us, um, I know I... And frustrated a lot about things getting put in a box, sure. And, and we we wanted this record to be out of the box in a way that maybe it would be difficult to categorize it in some ways. And and uh, nevertheless, uh, as long as they know that it comes from our heart, that that's all we really care about.
2: <laughs> Very good. And, and and one of the fun things is these things are born out of moments when you know we're together in some other part of the world or whatever. And all of a sudden you're, you're playing duos and, oh, wouldn't it be fun, you know? If we could just but do it, it, yeah. It's a, it's a real uh, kind of, it's not just sitting there fabricating, okay, what can we do now? You know, this was actually something that we fantasized about doing after, you know, after kind of a natural progression.
1: That's great. That really is great. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a nice concept. The album has a, a, a spacey, airy glow to it. Might, if I may say so, for my nice. own opinion, and yeah, no, it's 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 got a nice feel to it. There's no question, and um, but again, a departure from probably anything. Well, maybe you did some solo piano, not solo piano, but you did some trio work. Well, that, I've done that is... one
3: solo album and and one. Well, it, actually, I started out to do a <laughs> solo album a long time ago. Called, uh, ended up being called Dancing on the Water, but I was so lonely that I realized uh, that <laughs> part of my vibe or love for Playing music is is the companionship, and, okay. uh, and to be there in the room by myself at, at the piano was a little creepy. Okay, all right. like, I, don't, I don't know whether I can have that much X-ray. Well, you know, I gotta well, have so, at least one person backing me up.
1: Well, with all those orchestrations you did back when, <laughs> well, they, they, you yeah, weren't a lonely guy then. That. That's for sure. you gotta
3: have that, <laughs> the, that cushion. So I, even even on that record, I ended up inviting some guests to, okay. so that I, I hedged my bets and. And this one is, is definitely more of a uh, close friend type of a project.
1: How many records did you put out at CTI and then after when you did your own label? Was it tap and Z? Uh, yes. Um,
3: okay. m- four records as a solo artist. Okay. My first uh, one, two, three, and four. Right, had right, n- right. And then Nickel, right?
1: Wasn't there a Nickel?
3: That was uh, for Columbia. That was, that was Okay, left. that's So I had okay. four at CTI that had the numbers, and then I kept the, the, the reference to numbers after that, but changed uh, to... Uh, a little kind of a, uh, a riddle as to what the numbers meant. So ah. the 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 five record was actually the nickel, and it was called heads. Right, right, right. Okay. And then six was Touchdown, six points, and so on. Oh. But the CTI records, as a solo artist, I made many as an arranger oh uh, during that six or so years period of time.
1: Did you do the Idris Muhammad record? Yes, I did. Yeah. Power of Soul. Oh, man. That, yeah. I play that here One sometimes. Of my favorites. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was, uh, Joe Beck, right? Yeah. Does the guitar solo on yeah. that? I never yeah. heard him play like that before or after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a weird guy.
3: Was he? <laughs> weird guy to work with. Yeah, yeah. but... Unique and uh, fun, lots and lots of fun memories of musicians during that era that I haven't really played with since. Wow! And Idris, I I just loved him. He's he,
1: we lost somebody a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. And I I was going to do some stuff with him that didn't get to happen, which was a very uh, bittersweet memory that I have of him because he was he was at the root of. A, a, a lot of my most successful recordings sure. in a way that you can't put your finger on exactly, but his grooves were just unmistakable. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Well, he had the New Orleans thing in his background, right? I mean, yeah, uh, He was street injected beat. with it. Yes. No matter
3: what you would do, if it was a Latin piece, it still would be a street beat if you had the degrees <laughs> playing it.
1: I saw him one night many years ago, and I forget who the B3 player was. It might have been... I don't recall, but he was the drummer for, with Pat Martino. Mm. It was just mesmerizing. I was just like, that, wow, wow.
2: And and on that particular song, Power of Soul, there's a Bob James Rhodes solo right. that is just... Oh, my God, yeah. To this day, it's one of the most memorable solos ever.
1: You and I must still live... Must be like <laughs> exactly. sons from different Soulmates mothers or something. Exactly. <laughs> That's like the second time today we hit on this. Uh, no, and, the,
2: and that was that was my introduction one of my introductions to bob james you know where you know here he was it wasn't his record but it yeah it, it was almost oh. like his <laughs> his fingerprint, signature and exact fingerprint DNA. DNA.
1: yeah you were going to jail no matter what on that <laughs> one
2: <laughs> yeah
3: Been very very lucky good fortune for me because those people i coveted their friendship a lot okay and uh, when I saw that they accepted my music and liked it, right, it was it was this huge confidence builder, and, and Idris was one of the ones. He he was playing with everybody. They, they all oh loved God. him, yeah. and the groove was so important that I knew I had to be somewhere in that pocket, and if I couldn't do it, I'd be out. And and uh, I learned so much about how to try to fit in, and and be in. It in that pocket and between him and Eric Gale, uh, that oh, was man. my college yeah. education in soulful groove play.
1: Was it competitive there? In a
3: understated way, in okay. fact I don't think it was even stated at all but but New York carried comp- with yeah. that extreme competitiveness uh, that is very different from LA and if I may say so about my friend Nathan, that was one of the things that attracted me to him Immediately, it was that I was used to the New York attitude, sure and I go out to L.A. and here's this guy smiling, <laughs> and he's complimenting. And he's still me. smiling. <laughs> yeah, he's complimenting <laughs> me. He said, "Hey, Bob, that sounded great. You, I love that solo." Well, Isn't that no, what one, you, <laughs> no one would ever say that in New York? Idris, Idris, I think he felt it, but he never said no, it. No, he no. Eric wouldn't have said it. No. But Nathan had no problem saying it.
1: Very interesting. The name of the new album is called The New Cool. If you want to find out more about these two well-known gentlemen and need to do some more research, go to bobjames.com, simple as that. And almost as simple as nathaneast.com to get a little bit more about what they're doing. They're going to be appearing as part of Foreplay this week. You guys already did last night, didn't you? Yes. Okay.
3: First night was last night, yeah.
1: Chuck Loeb is a uh, nice spit in, isn't he?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, we've uh, had a little bit of fickleness in our group with Guitar Chair. Yes, right, you have. We, yeah. Chuck is our third, <laughs> uh, and he feels really solid like he's going to be here for the long term. Uh, we've had wonderful experiences with Larry Carlton and Lee Rittenauer before him, and Chuck had a way of having respect for them uh, and the history of that that uh, uh, makes us so proud of the way he... Started out respectful, and then gradually over the last five years, he's staked out his own Chuck Loeb territory, him. and we love it.
1: I met him on on a um, a flight in Norway, of all places. It was like it was playing some place called the Sil- Silda Jazz Festival. And it was a little hop that we had to go from Oslo to this small airport, and I wound up. I was sitting next to him. I said, "You're Chuck Loeb, right?" He says, "Yeah." And they were scratching out. He was with Bill. Evans, the sax playing Bill Evans, of course. And um, they were scratching out like the songs that we were going to play. I said, is this the sound check? <laughs> 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 I, said, he I, guess, I guess
3: this working. is it, right? You know, Chuck never stops working. He's still that way. On the plane, he's got his headphones on, and he's got a little <laughs> portable laptop with Pro Tools, and he's just constantly doing
1: new stuff. And
3: he's yes. a great
0: player. He yeah, really wonderful is a, player, really great player,
2: Producer writer i yeah. mean he's yeah he's got it all and and the greatest guy
1: yeah he seems to be very, very I've, I've talked to him a couple of, i don't think i've ever had him here but he's been on the phone with me a few times here other than the flight that was might have been the only time i chatted with him before. they looked at me yeah. like oh who's this guy right yeah, and like, it turns
2: <laughs> out we met 35 years ago at a patrick williams session oh there we go in again. new york <laughs> oh my god so. for jingles well, actually, this was his uh, a record of Patrick's. Okay. Yeah, so. Oh, he did uh,
1: like that new. He did one New York type record, right? Exactly. That's the one yeah. I think I remember
3: that yeah. one, too. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. And all the all the New York uh, heavy hitters, you know, Steve sure. Gad and both Brecker Brothers and, and Cornell was, maybe yeah, and T yeah, and all those Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And yeah. I remember coming from L.A. thinking, "Oh man, look at you know." Sure. sure. Wrote, wrote in my diary. <laughs>
1: it was an interesting, interesting phenomenon of those days that's long gone. But, I mean, New York had that whole hang of, like, Cornell and, you know, all the guys at Atlantic and, and, right. and, and various other labels, but they were the Atlantic session guys a lot, especially Purdy and and, uh, and, and the, that whole crew. And then the West Coast had their own thing going on, too, Same, you, know, you know? Similar thing. Similar thing, and those days are just, you know, they just vanished.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm glad we got to experience those. Yes,
1: you, you and I, I agree with that. I mean, I used to go out some nights, and, and you would see... A lot of these guys just jamming in somebody else's band or maybe it'd right. be like the Chuck Rainey, Cornell Dupree set. Exactly. It would be like, you know, Purdy on drums or whomever they could grab that was around. And it was like, wow, Gad, yeah. you know, I mean, right. these guys, and they would just let it go. And the fact it was, it was Purdy, it was Purdy, I think it was Purdy who told me that he said that he says, after being in the studio, we're so busy all day long, he's just making records with God knows who he says, it was so nice just to let off steam and go do what we wanted to do. Right. You know, and that, that had to be a great release. Right.
2: They just got out Steely Dan or Session oh, or whatever, yeah. you know, all day. And then everybody just went down down this and the, jammed.
1: The making of Asia with Cornell and, and Purdy, I mean, right. some of the jamming is just it's so simple but so complex at the same time. Right. You have to see it to, 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 to know it, and I'm sure you have. But I, just, I was just watching, this Purdy going, I'm doing the Purdy Shuffle, man. They told me don't do the Shuffle, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing the Purdy Shuffle. Right. Can
3: I ask the question? Yes, you, you can. we guys are talking about that, and I've been off the scene enough and not on the studio scene in, uh, recently, but it would amaze me if there isn't some different version of that still going on today. It's just a different style or different area.
1: He and would know if, better if, than me, but...
3: If, if there isn't, that's really, really sad because you know there are the young, talented people sure. that are the best yep. that would be doing the same kind of thing on whatever it is, but maybe it's just not our world anymore, that whoever those new people are, I think it's, are
1: different. I think it's the budgeting, Nathan, uh-huh. I, I you know, I don't think you have the days, I and mean, Joel Dorn used to love to come in here a lot, and I always, it was, you know, great times having him here, and he would come into the fun drives and charge people for stories about <laughs> King Curtis and stuff like that, <laughs> but I mean, he, was, he was a great kook, but he was just, I, you know, I said to him, man, you made so many great recordings, he says, Bob, if you had the budget I had, you have right. a good enough ear. You could have made a couple of good recordings too. Which I, was like, I died and went to heaven when he said that to me. But he says, he yeah. says, but that's the thing. He says, but if I screwed up and the record didn't sell, the old man was up my butt. <laughs> right. You know, he was like, but I think I don't want to preempt your. But my my feeling is that you don't have that kind of luxury to bring in all these great players all the time, and certainly not CTI type days and stuff like that to do these recordings all that often anymore. And I think that's part of it. But, Why the scene doesn't exist anymore.
3: Yeah, and those all the at-home garage band type recording where say, yeah. people just don't uh, go into a $300 an hour studio anymore.
1: No. Is it your take, then?
3: Pretty or? much, yeah. Because
2: you're closer to that. And you me. have, you know, I mean, you, you have a laptop now, and you yep. open that up now. You're, you're a in business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a business, yeah. yeah. No question. So, and, and we, even foreplay, you know, we had the sushi budgets. <laughs> 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 when we first we started, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd blow no through. No just hundreds sushi. Hundreds right? of dollars <laughs> of sushi every day, you know.
3: You get there, and Tommy puma <laughs> pulls out the uh, wine list. Exactly. No, uh, not the song list, <laughs> it's the wine list. Oh, man. <laughs> Were right. you,
1: you were part of the Blue Thumb, it was probably before your time, right? Blue Thumb Records? with Tom, When you said La Puma. You must have done those I, sessions.
2: Yes. You did. a couple I of those, did right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again. Uh, what a great uh, era. Yeah. Great times. And I, I remember, you know, how excited I used to be getting on the plane coming from L.A. to New York to work with, uh, with, with all these legendary guys oh, that man. I listen to, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, again, I think to, Larry told great stories to me about Carlton told me great stories about that. Yeah. But Ben Sijin tells the best
2: stories. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he just tells the greatest stories. I
2: mean, he's, he's great.
1: Yeah. He's, yeah, he's he's still he's still honking it pretty good out there, I too. Know. I mean, him and his son and stuff like that, it's a great thing. All right, let's go to one more, at least one more from the new album. I know you guys want to get out of here in a bit. you got music to play tonight. At the Blue Note, as part of foreplay, uh, right. what would you like to play? You guys decide who wants to be the DJ. If you want to do one, I'll be the next one. Okay, you're the uh, next uh,
3: one. Um, All will be revealed, uh, which I had proposed to be the title of the album, because we were re- revealing a lot about ourselves and our taste and various things. Okay. Uh, so I came in with this real quirky uh, song original, and Nathan made it into something far beyond what I had conceived, which is what I love about him, and we had the peculiar experience of having a um, demo. Not exactly a demo, but it was the live session that we cut, very, very rough, and then we went away from the thing for several months because of our schedules, and when we came back, we tried to make it better, and we did overdubs, and we did a whole bunch of different stuff, but there was something... Magical about the, the that one day, but which we worked until after midnight. And right. by the time we got this rough done with our engineer Brian Lennox helping with the creativity, it was um, it was it felt like magic to us, and we couldn't make it better. We we tried all kinds of other different ways to, to it. finish yeah. it off, and what you hear on the final version of the record is we just went back to that day and and tweaked the audio a little bit and. That's what we got.
1: Well, let's take the wraps off to see what will be revealed. Always so that kind of envy, very pretty, I might add. Mm-hmm. It was revealed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you, thank <laughs> you, thank you again. We're sitting here having a great time, sitting here with Nathan East and Bob James. <coughs> and uh, again, the name of the new album is called it's a great name, by the way, The New Cool. I'm um, James
2: song. Bob
1: James song. <laughs> all right, yeah, you're a good guy, man. <laughs> you're a real good you guy.
3: You know, and
2: we and we would like to give a shout out to our producer Chris Giro, and engineer Brian Lennox and 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 the team cool everybody over uh at Yamaha Entertainment Group and uh, and all the folks that are helping get the word out about our our album.
1: Very good. Yamaha is still pretty active. I I remember seeing this stuff back ooh, 70s, 80s,
2: 90s. That, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So this is related to the, the company that makes electronics? Yeah. Oh, and and, 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 and okay.
2: Piano, Yamaha pianos and okay. basses. Very good. Very but this good. Is,
3: but this label is relatively new, and I mean very yeah. new. Yeah. Nathan's album was maybe the first for the label, and uh, we were one of the first. So oh, wow. It's Yamaha Entertainment Group and a new project with them starting up in a new label. So it's then a big there deal for them.
1: Then there might have been a Yamaha something else that was, I seem to recall, like some direct disc or high-level audiophile recordings that came out in the 70s Mm, and 80s that had the name Yamaha related to it. Whether it was Yamaha Entertainment or not, I don't know. But somebody's coming in and landing in our (laughs) uh, our backyard. (laughs) But how'd you get involved with Vince Gill? That's kind of a, I mean, I I think he's great, but but is that a Clapton hit? Because he's part of that? Deal the Crossroads thing, isn't it? No, actually,
2: yeah. actually, it's kind of a, a good story from Bob because of the okay. connection, but okay, only because.
3: Yeah, very, very fascinating and very much related to our open architecture attitude about doing this project because it came out so completely differently than what we had anticipated when we started into it. And I had never recorded in Nashville before. So it was, uh, it was a new experience for me, except that I have some history with Nashville because of my uncle. Uh, my mother's brother was named Bill McElhiney, which was my mother's maiden name, oh, wow. and he was a quite famous arranger during his era and had worked with the Grand Ole Opry and, mm. and had been uh, the arranger on many, many famous uh, Nashville country recordings, including okay. recordings for Patsy Cline and various different people. So I was kind of channeling him when I went down there. He had already passed away a few years before that. But uh, having remembered the stories that he told me about his Nashville scene during that time, uh, I was really curious. And uh, so one day I, I, I suggested to Ney, because we were still kind of deciding what tunes that we would do. How about if we try um, a country-influenced tune? And I came up with the idea of doing the tune crazy. So we started experimenting around with it, and it's such a fantastic song, but so specifically oh, sure. associated with, with not jazz in particular. No, 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 right. no. no. And, and yet it's such a simple, strong melody, I thought maybe we could make a go of it. And we looked in the control room at our producer, Chris Giro, and he was kind of nodding off and uh, kind of <laughs> report, re, reporting back to us, uh, like, okay, Bob and Nate, you know, uh, maybe you might want to try something else. It's uh, so,
1: <laughs> so, trying to deflect you, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: And I didn't give up on it because I just had some feeling about it that uh-huh. it was different, that it wasn't us trying to be Bill Evans and Eddie Gomez or right. somebody other than who we are. And I did have my sentiment from, from my uncle. So, right. so we kept going with it. And maybe it was even the next day. We were still trying, and Chris Giro woke up. And he said okay. called out to us. No, he said, you know what? What would you think of having Vince Gill sing on this? Wow. Turns out that he and Vince are very, very close friends, have been for a long time. And we thought he was bluffing at first because, (laughs) gee, you know, Vince Gill's like number one guy in Nashville. Very, very, very very 20 Grammy Awards or whatever. So we had no idea that it would be within our budget or or even our concept. So he said, yeah, uh, in fact, I'll get him on the phone right now. And literally, I'm not just (laughs) making this up as a story. Five minutes after he brought it up, he was on the phone and Vince did say yes. And it turned out that Nathan had already met him and knew him a little bit and Vince was flattered about the idea And amazingly Vince had never recorded the song either So sure. it was kind of unique and in, in that way this famous famous song and Vince Gill and suddenly we have it on our, our project which at that time I, I was so pessimistic no way <laughs> is This actually gonna happen even right. though he said yes. How are we gonna get him in the studio and whatever and? Trying to make He's long, a
1: busy guy, too. I mean. Oh,
3: very man. Yeah.
2: Amazing. So yeah.
3: long story short, uh, we told him that we were in the key of E-flat, and he said, fine, no problem. Okay. He's got this amazing voice. Oh, yeah. And a couple and of weeks later, ah, whoops. Ah, beautiful. No, it was not the right key. Uh, and he <laughs> admitted that he hadn't been paying attention. Okay. And that we had but the way we had recorded it was uh, much too low to show off his, his great voice in the right register. So we had to go back to drawing boards, redo the arrangement. And by that time, I was way into the to the uh, challenge of my one shot at being introduced to Vince Gill as a musician, <laughs> piano player, arranger, whatever. So I pulled out my stops and did a string arrangement uh, in honor of my uncle, Bill McElhaney, But And we had recorded the strings and had to go back and redo them to get them in the right key for Vince. But uh, big... Big, wonderful experience as it turned out because he sang like a dream and, and really great. made us proud. And uh, when I did the string string session, um, I met these first call string players and told them the story about my uncle, thinking that they probably wouldn't remember back that far in history. Right. And three of them stood up and said, "Oh, we worked with your uncle. He was oh, the greatest, wow. oh, and wow. we loved wow. him." And so it was just happy a happy re- stories,
1: yeah, completely happy <laughs> thing. Yeah, tremendous. Tremendous. and um, Vince. I mean, I I remember Vince with Pure Prairie League. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that was like right. the earliest stuff. But I n- didn't realize how great a guitar player he was Ooh. so I went to That's see fantastic. when I started seeing him playing in, in the Crossroads shows. Right. And I was like, wow! And every year is going toe to toe with like Albert Lee yeah. and Eric, and I'm calling, oh, and you you're sitting back there behind the behind the traps, right, just watching this all unravel. It's,
2: it's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Not the traps. I mean, on the bass. Sorry.
2: And and also. Uh, we played earlier that year uh i got to do my debut performance at the grand old opry oh wow and vince gill was the music director and we did uh my version of can't find my way home and he played the clapton part And it was he played like like a dream wow you know? so uh there's a
1: now this was with who in, and
2: uh, and so this was last year while while, while we were <laughs> doing this uh your uh it ranged that that I had a chance to play go down and play at the Grand Old Opry, right. which was you know in Nashville, Carnegie Hall, exactly. Yeah, know? and and Vince was actually the the music director for the band there, you know. So uh, wow, he, I uh, wasn't paying enough attention
3: during that, and I looked at the notes it was coming back to me, and I thought he had gotten on Oprah.
0: And he said, "Oh no, no, I'm not on Oprah. I'm on Opry."
1: <laughs> well, it was almost
2: Oprah, but... Well, the OP was right. <laughs> the, OP. Yeah, the OP, but but an amazing experience, and and he's a wonderful player.
1: Can you reveal anything, Nathan, as as the bass player in Clapton's band for a long time? Uh, when the next crossroads would be? Should be next year, right? Do you know anything? You about know, it?
2: The, I don't think there's anything in the works at as, really? as, as of yet. Okay. I, I haven't heard anything anyway. So okay, um, they, they usually happen every couple years. Something I think it's like three, that. right? Every three years or so. I think it's so. Three, Yeah. First one was two thousand four. Right. So, uh, but I'm sure that will be an ongoing legacy too, and and it's it's uh, it's amazing too because he continues to just still play.
1: A lot of the blues guys that, and I don't want to go too far off course here, but I always feel I have to say this, give Eric a lot of junk about, uh, you know, he was, he's not really a great blues player and he's not this. I'm going, man, you need some, you need some Q-tips, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the what you're listening to. I
2: don't know who they're listening to.
1: But nobody, I mean, the Stones used to do it, and uh, of guys that have power, and Clapton certainly still has power, as a musician and as a, as a status symbol, in rock music and in blues music, does as much as he does to keep you know right. a lot of the old guys out there. I mean, the last time I saw BB King was at that 2013 yeah. absolutely uh, show, and I thought BB and I, I. Sad to say, I had grown tired of going to see BB, but he was on that night.
2: He was, yeah, uh, he was, on, he was yeah. with Robert no. Cray,
1: and it was like no, it's,
2: and and a and a dear man. Uh, one oh. of, one of the things I I just am so appreciate appreciative about the language of music, is that how it connects us all you know and this is something that for me is always a mystery because it doesn't have anything to do with what genre you're in and, right you know here Bob James and I make a, a duo album and there's Vince Gill right uh, comes in and sings on it you know and and so I I love I love music for that reason it, it just seems to be you know the language of of, of life
1: Bob's point of before being put in boxes right I mean you know I, you know, right. a lot of musicians, I mean, but one of the more cantankerous ones I got to sit with on his bus one time was <laughs> Gate Mount Brown. And, and he was just, you know... I says, yeah. He says you, you get put. I said to him, I didn't realize I was opening up a can of worms, but <laughs> I said Do you get put in the and the and the, the blues box all the time. And he
2: says, don't get me started. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> don't get me started. I said, man, you come Basie and Ellington and you know you know Louis Jordan and all this stuff like that, and they got you in the blues section, and you know yeah, yeah. okay. I'd say predominantly blues, but you're you're you know Louisiana Tex Mex kind of guy too, so you're you you should not be pigeonholed like that. And it must be hard for artists that, like that.
2: Well, I don't know, and you used to, you know, you'd you'd be spinning records of, as a DJ. You'd you'd, you'd play something for Miles, then you'd sure. play Jimi Hendrix. Absolutely, and maybe then West Montgomery. You're reading my like, mind. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was that was kind of the radio when when I was coming up. You know, you could listen to you hear all those. This is what I try to elements. aspire to. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: this is what I really try to do here. It's like a little bit of from everything from the from the Grateful Dead to Jeff Beck to Clapton and whatever. To you guys, to all kinds Fantastic. of, you know, Power Soul, as we mentioned with Idris, yeah, and yeah. the soul funk stuff, I mean, right. you know,
3: We're very lucky to have you as a messenger <laughs> in that kind of way. There's, we wish that there were m- more people who were deeply into the music that become the messenger to the audience.
1: It's part of my, you know, it's always been in me. I mean, growing up, I grew up in Greenwich Village, and I got, you know, vaccinated by a phonograph needle, and the rest was history, you know. <laughs> I, was guy, I was the guy out like two, three times a week going through the bins looking for stuff. Right you know and just going through piles and piles of vinyl back when and that's how that's how i learned and i, mean, I, I
2: feel like the listening experience used to be you know not to sound like oh back in the day but oh yeah but used you used to sit there and and really listen. focus on music and listen where where now it becomes more of while you're driving or cooking yeah. or a, a background scenario which you, you know i feel sorry if the people are missing all those little ingredients oh. that we used, focused in on, like that That's solo. must be frustrating <laughs> for you guys,
1: right? Cause, but even when you go to a show, I was, I was saying this one, I played something, was like John Mayall, one of his more jazzy things, the Turning Point record with Johnny Allman and John Mark and those guys. That was really as much jazz as it was blues. Right. And especially Johnny Allman was a monster player. And and you listen to the crowd, it was recorded the film, Maurice. I mean, there's no chatter going on there. People were really paying attention. Right. Right. You know, and, and I think that, that's also something that's gotten lost. And yes, maybe we're getting old and <laughs> saying, hey, you remember the days when, and I, like you said, you know. and But it's, it's true, you know, you know, it seems to be more an event to go out to a show, to be seen yeah. or to be part right. of or to tell your friends you've been there than it is to really go out and, and absorb the
2: music well i know a fond memory is just being able to absorb music like that and and now i think it's funny you know when we play you look out and all you see is iphones you know they're <laughs> held up and, and people are recording so it's almost like you're not enjoying it as much as you if you were just sitting there paying attention exactly but you, you're recording it getting ready to upload it to youtube and it's it's a whole nother experience now. i
1: remember in the 70s i know you guys got to get going i'm gonna Cut this off in a minute. We're going to one more track that one of you two are going to select, and and we'll get we'll get on out here from the new cool. But I I got pretty cranky by the time the mid seventies and, the, and started moving rock concerts. So I was going to see the Vanguard and and, and and jazz stuff too, but I was also you know keeping up with my rock duties. And and uh, once they went into the hockey rinks, man, it just it just got lost. You know, it was like the big arenas, the 20,000 seat places. Right. It's like where's the intimacy anymore? I mean, you know, it's like. There was so much, you know, chatter going on, and people just talking in the middle of songs. And you know, like, I didn't come here to, to be bothered with this. I mean, I'll sit home and listen to a good record and, you right, know, and right. be done with it. But yeah, that took it took a lot away.
3: It really so thank did. you
2: for you know.
3: For- <laughs> yeah, and if we can say on behalf of the project, the reason why we're here today, it's very reflective. It doesn't really represent us trying to. Uh, go after the audience with sledgehammers or <laughs> to try to come up against this world that you're describing in this way. I, I'm a bit more of an optimist and maybe it's easier for me to do it from my older vantage point or whatever. I don't know. but I can't I be think too far that,
1: behind you, but go ahead. <laughs> I think there are people
3: we bobs have to stick together. That's right. <laughs> but I know that there are people out there oh, yeah. just as much that feel the same passion for music they always did. They're just kind of getting in a different way and whatever. And our job, and by my way of looking at it, remains the same. We just have to make passionate, good music that that, that deserves people's attention to listen to it. And
1: feels right to you. Yeah, Yeah.
3: and what the the new cool represents to us is uh, um, a diary. It's a, a, as we talked about at the beginning, it's a chronicle of our friendship, represented through us playing similarly to the way when we're, At a rehearsal, noodling around, tuning up and looking at each other. Have you tried this lick yet? And do you know this standard song? And can we play this together? That's been a part of our friendship. And we wanted to uh, let that come out on a CD, however it came out. We weren't thinking smooth jazz. We weren't thinking blues. We weren't thinking any category. It was just uh, our life.
1: Yeah. You must feel this in, in Europe a bit more intimacy there. And certainly in Japan is what a lot of people have told me, right? The crowds are more attentive there.
3: Yes, And Absolutely. And more yes. willing to to experience the music the way we're talking about it yeah. now. There's not a built-in expectation. They let you, they let us be in the driver's seat, which I love. I, I, yeah. feel, I feel like that. The, um, if, if we really, really, really do our job, it will be appreciated by a very, very dedicated audience. And Europe, completely different from Japan. We did both of yeah, them. And really, since yeah. you mentioned it, it's weird for me, because Japan, very uh, studious, almost serious and very, very wanting to ha- learn every detail. In Europe, we had these fans that uh, uh, were in the clubs where we played, not all of them, but some mm-hmm. of the clubs we played over there no seats, everybody's standing, Wow! just completely like sardines, uh, uh, uh. and they're coming there, they, if they had to go to the bathroom, I don't know how they would do it, because they're... I don't know it, what it, think it, about this, Bob. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you, you could feel the intensity of how much they wanted to be up close and just experience What's this, uh, emotions, uh, uh, we're very, very fortunate to be able to go after those people <laughs> oh, and hope yeah. they like what we do
2: absolutely I hear you. and we actually had a couple of people at the blue note last night that that came from um holland and they were at the oh, were they? Event, yeah, yes a yeah. uh, place where they just you, literally you packed in there a thousand people standing for three hours wow. and just completely getting into every note you know and it's very very passionate about music very cool
3: I'm going to let
1: you gentlemen go. As I could, uh, you could we could talk the next, all day. Yeah, no, that would not be any kind of problem for my end. And it doesn't feel like it is at your side as well, too. Your label was kind enough to send us um, some extra copies. And the promoter who was involved with this, Rick Scott, I believe. And um, so we're going to give some away. I kept half because our fund drive is coming up in February. So we're going to give away two Great. or three this morning. And then another two or three, I think is, that's what's left over, for our February Fantastic. fund drive and uh, get people a go in their pockets and keep us on the air for as long as we can and keep making the improvements we make here. But it's been a treasure, not even a pleasure, a treasure, (laughs) to have Bob James and Nathan East here talking about their experiences, their life experiences, and sharing their thoughts and talking about their new music on The New Cool. Again, go to bobjames.com and nathaneast.com to find out more. And who's going to pick the the outro song?
2: Tister. Oh, man. I mean there's so many that I want to You
1: need to look at it. don't think well,
2: well I I think maybe we'll go to the one that was really the uh the catalyst for this project. Um it was um we were in Seoul, Korea a few years ago and and Bob, you know, kind of knocked on my door across the hall at the hotel and said, "Hey, I have this this arrangement I've been working on I want to check it out." You know, yeah, and we were going in the studio that day and we played the song and it was just magical. It was it was really I think the birth of this project, um, the song is called um, Love Me As Though There Were No Tomorrow. Old oh, wow. standard
3: that I have loved for many, many years. I think there's a Nat King Cole recording of it goes way back. And uh, I, I wanted to try to mess it up with a bunch of substitutions and a <laughs> weird approach to it. And I wanted to see if Nate would fight his way through to learn it. And he completely nailed it, and was not at all intimidated by it. And so, on this particular project, um, they we kind of separated my intro and gave it its own title, Um, so that we could uh, give me a little publishing. (laughs) 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 But don't. It's a a good business move. (laughs) (laughs) But the basic song uh, is called "Love Me as Though There Were No Tomorrow."
1: That's why i was having a hard time finding it. And, and it's the Midnight, midnight, magic, the midnight magic
3: is my kind of vamp intro. intro so it kind of, the song goes back and forth between these two different things. It's a, kind of like a medley.
1: And unfortunately, and we're going to have to leave it here. So uh. anytime you guys are in the area, and have nothing better to do. I'm here every <laughs> Wednesday and Friday from 9 to 1. And just uh, uh,
2: have Sonny look come. me
1: up. Sonny, thanks for taking these guys in you're today. welcome. All right.
2: And love and to come by. And thanks, everybody, anytime. for listening. Oh, yeah. a,
1: it was really a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen.
2: Thanks Bob. Have Thank fun you, Bob. tonight
1: at the Blue Note <laughs> okay. with with your foreplay band and uh <laughs> check out the record called The New Cool.
3: I knew I wanted to go to Roxton before I even came here. Roxton was one of the first things I learned about when I
1: visited FDU in high school.
0: Everyone talked about how much they loved it.
1: I loved being able to travel so much in such a short period of time.
0: England was always a place I wanted to go to,
2: so Roxton seemed to fit me perfectly.
0: I think the best part of Roxton is the opportunity to live in the Abbey. Because most other study abroad programs, you have to live with a family or in a modern building. And at Roxton, you get to live in this historical, beautiful building that's its own experience. Anyone considering going to Roxton, I would say go. Talk with an academic advisor today about studying at Roxton College of England or visit Roxton online at fdu.edu front slash Roxton. Roxton College. Learn.
2: Experience. Discover. What you'll find is yourself.
1: The Jingle Bells was by the Fred Hughes Trio, somebody I'm not that familiar with that was sent to me as we start to get into the Christmas holiday season. I guess it's official now that uh, we passed over on Thanksgiving, and here we are. The name of their new recording is called I'll Be Home for Christmas. I don't know if I made it clear, but we're giving away some of the Bob James and Nathan East new album called The New Cool. If anybody wants to win a copy, now's your time to call 201 692 2012. And we also will have some tickets to go before I get on out of here to go see Edgar Winter at the cutting room tomorrow night. If you want to go, give me a holler there at 20162012. We got 15 seconds to kill till we get to the hard break. And then I'll have just one more hour to go before I throw it over to Jimmy Blue and Code Blue at 1 p.m. Keep it tuned
0: right here at 89.1 WFDU Sounds of Blue.